So seeing Panic at the Disco and Fallout Boy and possibly Bastille and then Melanie Martinez just announced that she's touring, so possibly her now as well. Oh my God, there's so much teenage angst in that one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Android Police Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. This week on the show, we are following up with some S23 content. We got an S23 and S23 Plus review on the site and a very British special guest to help us talk about the international version of the S23 Ultra. I'll introduce him in a second. Magic Eraser is coming to all Android phones. Surprise, surprise. This Pixel exclusive is no longer. We'll get into it. Uh, Android Auto had a bit of a week. Will will rant a little bit about that. YouTube also had a bit of a week. We talked about Susan Wojcicki leaving the reign of CEO last week. Not a slow news week for YouTube either. And we will end on a joke. I don't even know what to say about this. Spotify is launching an AI DJ feature. Please God help us all. That's all I'll say about that. Joining us uh, as a first time guest, on the show, Zach Q. Dennis. How are second you? Second time, but yes, it's the oh, first time, time in a while. Second time, yeah. sorry. I haven't right. uh, I haven't got a good memory. First time in a very long time, and we can talk about why you wanted to join us. This is a very exciting time for you and your Snapdragon-powered S23 Ultra. Yeah, to quote Martin Prince from one of the early Simpsons episodes, look, fellows, it's the first of the Snapdragons. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, we have the S23 and S23 Plus reviews on the site now. Ara, you reviewed the S23. Taylor reviewed the S23 Plus. I've been seeing a lot of chatter around the S23 Plus being sort of that perfect middle ground. We heard the same thing about the S21 Plus and the S22 Plus over the last couple of years. Will, you have an S23 Plus as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and and when you think, you weren't even really wrong when you think about it, because it's basically an S22 Plus. It's the same, right? It's it's the same. It's the same. No, I do, I do. It's it's actually I I have it's not that used office it. meme, basically. Yeah. In oh, phone yeah. form. It's, it's the same picture. I have not used it a ton. Like I have used it, especially while while Taylor was using it. I was trying to like if I had to add anything for him or, or help him out or whatever, I was using it, but I'm back on the the ultra. But yeah, no, it's really nice. It's it's so funny how like you switch from like the ultra to the plus not that most people will do this and it's not a small phone but compared to the ultra it feels so much smaller <laughs> like it's like wow this is like you add in the curved not a curved screen but the the rounded edges on the screen and you just shrink it by 0.2 inches and it's like oh my god this is tiny this fits right in yeah. my pocket it's always been that way yeah there's yeah. a product that the same thing is happening to and i can't talk about it yet I will be able to in a week or two. Um, also, Will, have you uh, held the regular S23? No, I have not. Uh, I, okay. Uh, like, I was going to okay. say, I think the Plus feels small. No, I know. Like, I did very briefly. I held all three very briefly at Unpacked, but I mostly was there to get the Ultra and start using it. And so I, I did not, like... And also, I had, like... It's one thing to like pick up all three and be like, this one's definitely smaller than that one. Uh, it's another thing to like switch after you've been using the phone for like three weeks and, and be like, yeah, no, this this feels different. Um, yeah. All right, Zach, I want to talk to you about what's going on. You've had a rough time of it over the last few years uh, in Exynos land. What's it like working on a phone that uh, isn't going to burn your hand after an hour? First of all, it's amazing. But it was it was always odd because Samsung would have like an up year and a down year almost to like a perfect rhythm. Because the S10 Exynos was fine and the S21 Exynos was fine in my experience. But then 
both the S20 and S22 literally burned me at different stages of my time with them. I think that what was always annoying the most is we pay more for our phones here in the US. So for example, a 256 gig S23 Ultra here is equivalent to 1400 USD. So not an insignificant amount more. But in the past, we were getting a much worse phone for more money. And I think that always felt really rough. So my kind of spicy take that's spicy to people maybe in the US who've never had to use an Exynos, but people from around here will get is that this is the most significant upgrade Samsung users have had in years, even just versus the S22, because it's just a night and day difference. I haven't actually gotten the S23 Ultra below 10% yet. That's wild. Yeah, I I used to charge my S22 Ultra twice a day. It would be dead by 4pm and then it'd be dead again by the time I went to bed. It's just a ridiculous yeah it's just a ridiculous difference i can't kill it the cameras seem wildly better i'm seeing more of an improvement in cameras than i'm seeing anybody in reviews mention and again i just wonder if that's because the isp and the exynos was particularly weak so i'm kind of benefiting more from that upgrade than other people would i mean yeah, honestly my only criticisms of the phone is just the colors honestly the red's really nice even though it's actually blood orange but the rest of them are horrible Anecdotally, I mean, this is a big change internally for Samsung, but are they highlighting this change in marketing in the UK? Like, are you seeing anything that would indicate how significant an upgrade the SOC is year over year? Do people you know who aren't tech-minded understand this, or is this just for them, another Samsung up, you know, year uh, of iterative upgrades. Like, how is Samsung conveying this change to people in the UK? It's funny because Samsung would never mention the processor in marketing ever. So, I mean, remember how proud they, they seemed really proud of the Exodus that was in the uh, S21 series, but then it wasn't mentioned anywhere in the marketing. Whereas the box and all of the like websites and the adverts will have a little thing in the corner that says powered by Snapdragon for Galaxy or whatever. Like They're not out and out mentioning it, but there are actually references to the chip for the first time. And I think not just news media like us, but you think of more traditional media like newspapers when they review phones over here as well. Everyone is mentioning the chip. So even my non-techie friends, um, A friend of mine, he had an S20 FE and wanted to upgrade. And this was in December. So before the phone was announced, then he goes, I read somewhere that the S23 is going to have this like much better processor. Should I skip the S22 and wait? And I'm like, yes, yes, you should. But he's someone who knows nothing about phones. But a month before the phone came out, he was aware of the fact that we're getting a Snapdragon this year. So even without Samsung marketing it, there is definitely an awareness I've noticed of people just being excited about it. Even if they don't understand why they should be excited, they know they should be. Right. And I think for them, Samsung, and I've said this on the show before, Samsung was really counting on this being a super cycle year for old Note 10 and 20 owners upgrading to the S23. I wonder if it's the same thing in Europe where they're counting on users of the S10, S20, even S21 that have been experiencing an incomplete experience on Exynos wanting to finally upgrade to something a little bit more efficient, which 
differs greatly from what we're seeing here in North America, which is this isn't a massive upgrade, even over the S21 Ultra or S22 Ultra, despite the efficiency gains of the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2. I definitely think so. The S21 was kind of the oddity that was an Exynos that wasn't that hard to live with. But the S20 especially, I would not be surprised if S20s are getting traded in hand over fist for this thing. Because the S20 was just... Ugh, I, I, I can't <laughs> use podcast-friendly words to describe how bad the S20 was. Uh, it was not good. I mean, to put it into perspective, after six months, my S20 had to have a motherboard and battery replacement because it melted the solder on its motherboard and cooked its battery during a two-hour duo call. That is... Not great. It was not good. And, you know, to Samsung's credit, they had it all swapped out and back to me within a couple of days, which is great. But I don't know, the one that that phone probably did the same thing six months later. I traded it in for an S21, so I'll never know. Yeah, it's this weird thing. I mean, I know some people on Twitter have already mentioned this. I used to say that the Exynos problem was overblown. And I stand by my saying that at the time because I mainly said it about the S21, and the S21 was fine. I never said it wasn't a problem. I always said it was maybe blown a little bit out of proportion, but then the S22 came along, and I realized I was very wrong. Right. Uh, yeah. It just feels nice to be treated the same as everyone else, really, when we're paying more money anyway, still. And it's just easier for Samsung. They're not sort of limited by the lowest performing aspect of their device, right? Because they would never highlight the performance gains of the Snapdragon because they had to cater to half the world that didn't get access to it. Now they can lean into it. Yeah, I think that's going to be a big thing. I think also, I mean, they were really quick with getting Android 13 out, and then Manuel had that interview with uh, someone at Samsung regarding one UI updates, and they went, oh, it's still not good enough. We want to be even quicker next year. And I feel like that's going to be a part of it too. Because the only physical difference between my S23 Ultra and yours is that I don't have the MM Wave cut out. I don't have it either. Oh, fair enough. Okay. It's a, that's just a US thing. That is just yeah. a US thing. Oh, yeah, you're kind of- Because only the US got, uh, got, got swindled into believing that Millimeter Wave was actually a feature, not a bug. No. Although we're not much better. We were still tripped into thinking 5G would be a feature, not a bug. But uh, that's, that's a rant for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's. Um, I think software updates for the S23 may end up being even quicker just because that's the one physical difference between the phones and that's it, Right, which would be relatively, relatively easy to cater for versus an entirely new chipset. So Ara, I want to hear about your experience on the smaller phone. You've been able to take this around to the parks and take photos and compare it. You had an S22, right? No. No, you no, didn't. I, I- I got here on Valentine's Day last year, so no, I didn't get an S22 because I missed pre-orders when I was at Android Central. And by the time I got here, y'all already had what y'all needed. And I was focusing on other things. So no, I I didn't get an S22. I do miss my S21 a little bit, though. Uh, I mean, I've had enough of the Samsungs over the last couple of years. The S22 was the only one I hadn't had in, God, five years, four years. But I mean, it's also to the point of even if you saw an S22 you pretty much knew what the S23 was going to be like. But I mean, I've also just adored being back to a phone that will actually fit all the way into my holster, fit all the way into my pocket. I love small phones. And this is the best small phone battery that life that I've gotten outside of like maybe the Pixel 
foray at the beginning of its lifespan. Mm, that's pretty good. Yeah. So I've loved it. I do understand that we couldn't get like the super upgraded new cameras. The cameras on the S23 are just okay, which I don't think is the greatest thing for an $800 phone. But the thing there is barely anybody is going to pay $800 for this phone. Because, I mean, this is the phone that you can get it free on all of the carriers if you're on an unlimited plan. Even if you're not on an unlimited plan, a lot of the carriers will be like, whatever phone you trade in, it'll get you like halfway to the Galaxy S23 or possibly to a free Galaxy S23 if you're switching carriers. I'm happy that the screen got updated. If this is the 1750 that the other two phones get, I do wish it was a tiny bit brighter outdoors, but that's also kind of unfair because I'm it was 90 degrees here the last two days and going outside and looking at that phone in full sunlight it's easy enough to read but between glare and any apps that have like dark coloration or anything lacking in contrast it can get a little bit hard to read at times but it's much better than every other phone i currently own yeah i i would love to uh, tell you about my performance with the s23 ultra in the uh, sun and i will be sure to do that uh, once there is sunshine for me to uh, take it out into <laughs> the, the sun's actually out right now. I'm, sunny. You're going I'm jo- like, get back to you in May or June. Yeah, exactly. I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you about it uh, at Memorial Day weekend. Uh, it's it's um it is sunny out right now, but like I don't know, like we got hit with an ice storm two days ago, so like who knows? I've been in the weird situation of it being like minus one, but then incredibly sunny. So I can say that indirect sunlight with sunglasses on. Uh, polarized i can still see this thing just fine but then i am what some would consider a heathen and i use light mode everywhere so yes you are a heathen. Fine, but, uh, unless Black i'm in bed here. unless no, I'm you're in just bed. correct is what you are <laughs> I'll, I'll, i have dark mode going in bed so i don't blind like everyone around me while i'm still reading our website at three in the morning because i can't sleep but, how many people are around you at three in the morning i was gonna i, I, I was about to make <laughs> i'm that sorry i got <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, just my wife, but she's a okay, light sleeper. I, I figured, I figured, but the way you said it, I was like, CAD's going to parties. Like he's, he's out there. <laughs> he's going to parties, and then he's finding bedrooms in those places, and then lying down with people around him. I mean, that's obviously what's happening here. Man's wants a nap. That's all I can say. Uh, it's nothing wrong with that, my friend. All yeah, I have no, to say there uh... is, please stop reading the website at 3 a.m. and do try to get to sleep. I understand insomnia, but you gotta try, man. <laughs> uh, I've been this way since I was eight months old. I was a delightful child. Oh. <laughs> You're still a delightful child, actually. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, hey, I never, turned 27 last week. I'm never not changed. a child anymore. No, happy birthday. <laughs> he he yeah, says birthday. as he looks at the two Optimus Primes that are on the desk next to him. <laughs> oh, God. never, Never see my office then. One of them's like I mean, your office is just full of plants, Peter. And Optimus Primes. You just don't see those. <laughs> All right, let's close this up. So Samsung relaunched its flagship store in New York this week, 837. It used to be sort of like a meeting space slash, you know, you would go and be able to like look at the latest products and try them out, but you couldn't buy anything there. What I'm interested in is Samsung appears to be a bit more cognizant of the fact that with foldables becoming more mainstream, with people expecting more from in-store repairs and whatnot, and I guess I'll I'll ask you, Zach, because you have gone through the repair process locally, what's it like having a Samsung phone in terms of the infrastructure there? Are there local stores that you can go to? Are there Samsung stores that 
will allow you to kind of test everything out. How much of an Apple store-like experience do you have over there in the UK? Pre-pandemic, you would be no more than an hour away from a Samsung store. Now there are only three in the country. Oh, They all closed during the pandemic. I also found out recently Samsung's warranty in the UK might be two years, but it's a repair-only warranty. They will not under any circumstances replace your phone, even if it means putting a new motherboard in there. So the repair process isn't great. Just to replace the screen protector on my wife's flip in January, it was gone two weeks. Then they sent it back and somehow they'd flashed the wrong firmware on it. So it thought it was the Maison Margiela French Flip 4 for some reason. So then instead of just swapping it, it had to go away for another two weeks just to be flashed with the right firmware. What's wrong with the French uh, fancy beret sporting firmware? I mean, it looks all nice, but I guarantee that when the upgrade program comes along, if she sent it back, they'd go, what have you done to it? Oh yeah, you've you've customized it yourself. Fair enough. Yeah, and when I actually looked, even though the hardware is the same part of the, I can't remember the name of it, the baseband number was different, that basically OTAs would be broken. Hmm. So it wouldn't get over-the-air updates unless we put a French SIM card in it, which <laughs> is an issue. I do wish that I'd extracted the live wallpaper from it while I had it. But it's a it's a good excuse to go over the canal for an afternoon. It is. It is. Go over there, get a software update once a month, come back. That's right. With some fresh baguettes. But yeah, unless you have a Samsung store nearby, in which case it's great. They can do that stuff within 10 minutes. It's bad over here. And that's the one thing I miss from having a Pixel where Google will just overnight me a replacement phone. Oh, that's the first time I've ever heard somebody say positive things about the Google Pixel experience. Well, I went through six Pixel 3s. I have enough experience with them. Jesus. Jeez. And, yeah. and five After Pixel After four, Excel. just ask for a refund and go You've somewhere gone through else, it, man. man. Seven Pixel Cs. Pixel Cs? Yeah, the, oh, tab the, the, wait, the, the tablet. Wait, the tablet? I went through 12 Nexus 9s. What? How? Back, back panel kept popping off. Common issue. Stop buying gadgets. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, that's I the mean, solution. I feel like you and Artem, Artem have just like, inherited the yeah. same bad luck. God, dude. I'll, I'll, give, I'll tell you what. Um, I have had the original Moto 360, the second gen, the second gen Huawei watch, the Galaxy Watch Active 2, and the Galaxy Watch 4. And because... I managed to somehow get refunds at the end of the warranty periods for all of them. I've only ever actually paid full price for one of them. Because I just say, Amazon, hey, I've got like a week of warranty left. My battery doesn't last anymore. What should I do? And they're like, oh, we're so sorry. Here's a full refund. That does not sound like the Amazon customer service I am familiar with. But yeah, I, no, I'm that does not sound like Amazon US. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Glad somebody's having a good time. Exactly. Returning <laughs> stuff on Amazon. Because I'm not. All right, let's move on. Any last words on the S23, Zach? Just that the red is objectively the best color to get it in, and they should have done a better purple. Other than that, it's almost perfect. I love it. I just wish it charged a bit quicker. Yeah. All right. I will say, I well, I've already ranted about color, so we can move on. Because, yeah, yeah look, even looking at my review photos, sometimes this allegedly purple phone, sometimes it looks pink. There's a couple in which it actually looks white. And I'm just like, yeah. why couldn't we get Bora purple? We saw how pretty it is. Like, give me the same Preach. color we had for the Flip 4. What is so wrong about that? I know it's fingerprint magnety, but bring back the prism green from the Galaxy S10 because that was gorgeous. If it was clean. We didn't get we that, that in the color US. Here. For, you, you'll see it plastered all over any S10 article on our site because I took a load of photos of it. 
and I'm not the best photographer here at all, but the phone did all the work and there's photos of my prison green S10 all over our site now. See, yeah, the green that I want gorgeous. Samsung to bring back was from like, God, I want to say the Note 5 or the Note 4 because they had just like this beautifully rich emerald green. And yeah, it was a fingerprint magnet too, but it was, that was so That was an S6, pretty. I think. It's the same green. Pretty much. I remember that S6. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Next up, we're talking Google bringing Magic Eraser to all Android phones through Google One. If you're not familiar with Google One, it's the company's subscription service that gives you like a random assortment of benefits. It discounts for its storage. It gives you the ability to back up your MMS messages in the cloud when you're upgrading to a new phone. It also gives you access to these like custom effects in Google Photos. And now Magic Eraser is coming to Google Photos if you're not a Pixel owner or if you're an older Pixel owner before the Pixel 6 and you don't have a Tensor SOC, it will perform Magic Eraser in the cloud for you. And I think this is the sticking point. And we'll get to that in a second, but there's also a couple of other small benefits. There is a new collage mode built into Google Photos as well as the collage mode has been there. It, it's new. It's new collage. Like, oh, it's like upgrades uh, to styles, I, I guess, is what yeah. I would say. Like, yeah, like yeah. there's new options that you can pick from. Yeah. And you get free shipping on your print orders if you're in the U.S., Canada, the EU and the U.K. Yeah, which is great because I have ordered prints from Google Photos before and it's always annoying to have to pay shipping because it's like you guys could cover. It's this. extremely expensive. Yeah. And I do it every Thanksgiving. Because I make books for my mom exactly. and my wife's mom of our kids, and we like make an annual photo book for them, and it's great. And then we're like, oh, this is only going to be $60 yeah. plus $25 of shipping. So I will no probably thanks. order more stuff through Google Photos now because the shipping is free. Like, the quality up, of these photo books is great. fantastic. The books are great. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Rita, a former AP features uh, managing editor, um, Rita, who's now at Android Authority, she just wrote an editorial all about how much she loves this. You should yeah. go check it out. It's great. It's got some really nice photos. But it's true. Like when they launched this in, I want to say 2018 at Google I.O., 2017. Yeah, something like that. I was skeptical. And since then I have I've gone all in. I use it multiple times a year. Yeah. I've always wanted to, but then the shipping's always put me off. But funnily enough, this is great timing for me because I'm literally in the process of gathering the photos for my grandparents' anniversary to give them one. So now you have free shipping. Great time for me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So there's a couple of other small things. You get HDR effects in uh, videos now, which is also cool. And then the aforementioned Magic Eraser coming to all older Pixel devices for free. So if you have an older Pixel device, you don't have to pay for it. But if you are not on a Pixel, you do have to pay for it through Google One. That's also iPhones. Like It's not just Android. It's, it's also through iOS if you have an, an iPhone or probably even an iPad, I would guess, because it's just the app. And, and Google One starts at $2 a month. It's cloud storage. You're basically buying cloud storage. Like I, have, I pay the $2 a month because Google Photos is not free anymore. <laughs> like That's literally why. But, uh, but it means that I'm a Google One subscriber technically, even though that's not really why I'm signed up for it. Okay, so walk us through this, because obviously yeah. part of the Pixel 6 and Pixel 7 marketing was Magic Eraser is done locally on the device, and it's only because of the Tensor that it can do that. And now, not so much. I mean, we were talking before the 
record, right? That like when the Pixel 6 launched, it took what, a week for someone to port Magic Eraser back to like the Pixel 5, which was not running on a Tensor chip, right? It wasn't even running on a on a flagship Qualcomm chip. And it, it was slower because it was still doing it on device, which is how the Pixel 6 and 6a and 7 do it. But it worked. Uh, it was fairly easy to set up. We had a guide at the time. And it's no secret that you've been able to do this on other devices. The difference here is that you're doing it uh, on a software level, on a cloud level, basically, which should mean that it's not quite as slow as it was on non-Tensor phones, because obviously it was it was optimized for Tensor. But no, it's it's not surprising. Like we've seen Pixel or or even Nexus exclusive features eventually come to Android users as a whole, usually through an app. This is nothing new. So there's a lot of Pixel owners that are going to be upset by this. It's the same thing that happens when a former PlayStation or Xbox exclusive gets an expanded release. Sure. You know, there's yeah. this um, protectionism. Sure. You basically want to have the ability to brag about something that your peers don't or that I invested in this exclusivity. You know, my investment is worth something. And I think to date, the Pixel has had, to some extent, the loyal Pixel users that have been around for a long time have been able to say, it may be buggy, Mm -hmm. my screen may look like crap, (laughs) apps may like get removed from memory. The the software is why you're buying it. Million buttons may fall out. Yeah, like the hardware has never been, I mean, their hardware has gotten better, although yes, like the, the volume and the or it was the volume rocker on the Pixel Seven has been having issues, but yes, like it was the software exactly. But I, I just mean like over time, Google has peppered the Pixel with exclusive features, and that tribalism has, in some ways, benefited Pixel users and the Pixel marketing team. Obviously, when a new phone comes out, but really, like Google as a company is not in the business of selling Pixel phones. It's just not. It wants to be, but it isn't. It's in the business of recurring revenue through a number of means, including increasingly subscription revenue from services like Google One. Right. Or YouTube Premium, as we'll talk about in a, in a minute. Precisely. Yeah. My biggest issue here, it's not even an issue. It's just I'm looking at the situation and I'm thinking about two weeks ago. Two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, sitting at a friend's house on a Sunday night and watching the Super Bowl and seeing a minute-long advertisement for the Pixel 7 that focused for about half of it on the Magic Eraser and having people in my life who I know who are not into tech being like, that's cool. I didn't know it could do that. And like, it's great for Google that that is now on everything, right? Like in terms of subscriptions, but in terms of like the Pixel hardware team or the marketing department that spent God knows how much money on a 60 second spot or night was it 90 seconds. It might've been even longer and paid Amy Schumer to be in it. Like why did they advertise this two weeks ago for the pick? Like you could have picked other stuff to like highlight about the Pixel seven and they focused on the magic eraser for like half of it. And it is now for everybody. I just think it's a little silly and it is an example of like, are people at Google talking to each other? Why would you spend so much time and money advertising this two weeks ago if you knew it was just about to roll out to everybody or basically everybody? Because I mean, it the- was your last chance to wheel pe- uh, real people Who bought a that? Pixel in the last week and a half? Because like, like it's a th- you got to plant the seed in someone's mind and then like you got to like work at that. 
I just it's think not it's not a contradiction though. It's not as bad as it looks. And that's my opinion. You can disagree. You obviously I, disagree. I'm not saying it's a terrible look. I didn't say stupid for a reason. It's just silly. It is silly, but I agree because it's not like it undoes everything that the commercial says. On the one hand, you buy a Pixel 7 and Magic Eraser is processed on device super quickly. True. And it's free. True. Those things are still true. Yeah. You still have to pay at least $2 a month. It's not a lot of money, but it is something. And we don't know how fast Magic Eraser will process in the cloud. That's true. It, it might it, be we fast. We should say this is rolling out this week, but it, they, they said to everyone in the coming weeks, so this is a classic, <laughs> you'll get this Google feature in May kind yep. of thing. Yeah. I wasn't too surprised to see this happen because Google paid, similar to the Super Bowl, when Avatar 2 came out in the UK, they paid to have a minute and a half advert spot for the film. That was not just UK, UK cinemas. It was also uh, when I saw Avatar 2 in 40X, which you can hear all about on this very podcast. Just scroll back. Was it a different view. ad, though? Because this had like a lot of UK celebs as well. I, so I'm sure like it was a, a different ad. But, but, yeah. uh, it wasn't just pre-roll. I think, I'm, I think I even mentioned this in that episode, but like in the middle of like, we just showed you the trailer for Ant-Man. We're going to show you a pixel ad. And now here's the trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Like it was the same thing. Yeah, the reason I bring it up is because I noticed at the time, first of all, they kept talking about Pixel 7 when the person was clearly holding a Pixel 6, so get that right, but um, okay. well done, Google. But also, uh, they kept saying, and it's on device, and I'm like, why do they keep emphasizing that it's on device? And it's just clicked in my head that probably because they knew this was coming. Yeah. Well, yeah. also, it means you don't have to be connected to internet for it to work. So if you're taking photos yeah. somewhere remote, for sure, it'll still I, work. I, I think this is a good thing. Like, I, I am just pointing out that it is, it is a little silly. If you uh, really, uh, really need to remove that annoying person in the background <laughs> who's like in a ca- kayak, you know, in the middle of nowhere, you're like, I can't wait to share this. I really have to have to. Oh, there's no Internet connection. Shit. I, that guy, the-, the kayak, he's not going to go anytime soon. Unless like, you have a Samsung phone which has its own version of Magic Eraser that's been around for a year longer than Google's and works just as well on device on a Galaxy A52. Or the many, many equivalents in the App Store that can do the same thing fairly well. So I had to go back and look. I want to bring up two more things about the Super Bowl ad, and then I promise I'm done ranting about it. But first of all, I didn't realize that they prominently featured the hashtag, hashtag fixed on Pixel, which is very funny after this announcement. is. But secondly, you mentioned the kayak thing. The first example they use is the photo of like two kids. And then in the background, there's like a kid like licking a window. Like, and that's what they choose to erase out of the photo. And I just I, I, I just have to bring it up because I, I remembered watching this ad during the Super Bowl and being like, that's like. I would have kept the kid. The kid's funny. <laughs> like the kid, the kid licking the window is funny in the background of these two other kids. I don't know. I don't know about you guys. I don't use Magic Eraser much. I feel like I I frame the photo how I want, and like I don't really care if there are people in the background of a city shot. Photo unblur, which is the other thing the Super Bowl ad focuses on, and is not rolling out to non Pixel Seven devices, is the thing that I I have been more impressed by. And, and I don't know. Maybe it'll come to Google One in a year. It, or it almost certainly but. will. Yeah. I hope so. That's the one feature I really wished that I could get. Smartphones didn't exist when I had my dog growing up, so the amount of blurry, like yeah. early digital camera photos I've got of her would be great. To it's not me. magic. It's not perfect, I should say. But like, I think it does a decent job. I've seen people online be negative about it, and I generally think it's pretty impressive what it can save out of a photo 
a 10, 15 year old blurry photo. So I also just want to talk about Google's ridiculous Google One premium tiers. So most (laughs) people I know are either on the 200 gig or the two terabyte. And the 200 gig is like three bucks a month. Yeah, it's one one dollar more. Relatively affordable for somebody like me whose life is on Google Photos. Like I needed that two terabyte tier it's 15 or 14 dollars a month canadian it's 10 a month us yeah so 100 bucks a year us basically and then their other tiers are just bananas there is a 5 terabyte tier a 10 terabyte tier a 20 terabyte tier and a 30 terabyte tier that i'm like who in your right mind is going to pay 50 dollars a month for a 10 terabyte tier that's actually the same price here too no oh, that's what i mean i'm talking in us dollars. okay you're you're looking at us 100 dollars okay, cool. a month for the 20 terabyte, like 150 you, for 30. Yeah. Well, it's I'm just, not going to say have them at those prices to convince like small business owners and whatnot. No, you do not want to do a regular Google One account. You need to do like a Google workspace for business. I get it, but this is a direct to consumer product. Like you can share your account with up to five people, but this is not an enterprise version of Google One. And I'm wondering like who... Maybe you're right. Like small business owners might need 30 terabytes or 20 terabytes or whatever. There are also just people who are data hoarders. I have two terabytes. Half of that storage is filled between the five of us. The majority of that is photos I have taken on Google Photos, which I need to go through and start purging all of the old article photos that I've taken like five, six years ago. I'm fortunate that most of the people in my family group are what is my mum and grandparents. So my two terabytes have only used 185 gigs. Yeah. And that's just mostly between me and Millie. But it was like she used all of her free account storage. Anyway, I'm I'm just curious. Like if anybody listening is on one of those higher tiers, let us know. Podcast at AndroidPolice.com. I would love to hear what you use it for. You also can't there's no annual billing for ten terabytes in up. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm like sure you, that's true. You can't so even say people use it. Yeah. Yeah. No one no one is on ten terabytes or higher. I'm sure there are people who are on five. But but no one is on ten or higher. Well, I mean, the five one to me is recommended. They recommend oh, I spend really? two hundred twenty oh, dollars a year you're on, more. You're on the two, whereas I'm on. The I'm, on I'm currently on the the cheapest, the hundred basic hundred gigabyte plan, and it's recommending me to jump to the two hundred. Right. Yeah. They don't actually offer the unless it's just not showing it for me. But I can't even see anything less than the two terabyte plan. Me neither. Because once you are on that plan, they don't let you downgrade unless you talk to somebody. Oh, cheeky. Exactly. Um, Last thing I was looking at the, so like if you want to spend 35 or 30 bucks a month on five terabytes of storage and get all the other stuff that compare, I don't, I know this is not a good comparison, but Apple's premiere or Apple one premiere costs around the same. It costs $30 a month for Apple music, Apple TV plus Apple arcade, two terabytes of iCloud storage. Apple News Plus and Apple Fitness Plus, and you can share it with five people. Yeah. It's just not even close. It's the not. value of Apple One is so much better than what you get. Like, obviously, you get more storage on Google One, but like the you get all secondary the benefits, yeah. not even. Close. I would kill for YouTube Premium to be bundled into Google One. I would kill for twenty pounds to be bundled in here. Premium. Exactly. That yeah, price is just going to keep going up. That'll never happen. They're going to keep charging more for that. Ugh, gross. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Will, walk us through this yeah. br- brief Android auto shenanigan yeah. that got everybody excited. 
Yeah, so this week we noticed on the Android Auto community on Reddit that people had noticed that they could, um, on the latest version of, of Maps specifically, it actually it wasn't an Android Auto update, it was a Maps update, that you could use Maps simultaneously while it was running in Android Auto, which has long been an annoyance of any Android Auto user that is driving with a passenger. It might sound like, well, why would you want to do that? Like you're driving, right? You want to use Android Auto. That's why you have your phone. Because your Android. navigator needs to find yes. what hotel or restaurant or whatever y'all are staying at tonight. It, and it's you also... You can't search properly on the Android Auto. No, it's and, a oh, Maps on Android Auto. It's crap. It's like, oh, just use voice commands. Like sometimes you don't know what to say. It's also silly because on Apple's CarPlay, there is a, a, a phone display. So for Google Maps on an iPhone plugged into CarPlay, we'll show you the list of directions and you can like, Renavigate or, or select a new like like it's not the full app anymore, but it is it is an experience that like the person sitting next to you can use right. So um, in this case, uh, while it usually says your phone can't display Google Maps while Android Auto is running on Google Maps eleven point six seven, suddenly started like allowing you to basically view Maps and Android Auto at the same time. It was the full app, which was weird and a little buggy, and made me think at the time of like when I was testing it. I had already typed directions in and then when I switched to Android Auto, it like didn't show the directions like it didn't mirror the instances, uh, which was weird. I I restarted the app and then it linked up, but it was weird. I was like, this doesn't feel finished or final. And I guess it wasn't because uh, a day later it stopped working. There was no app update. It must have been a server thing on Google side. They just flipped a switch. And yes, so like Wednesday, it was working for me yesterday as we record, which was Thursday. Uh, it stopped and and you are back to the your phone can't display Google Maps while Android Auto is running. But the fact that people were so excited about this, I hope proves to Google that this should be a thing again. Like their app on iOS does this already. Like it should be a thing that you can you can do. At first, I thought it must be a, a safety decision. That right? would be my assumption because it, I, I <laughs> this is funny. I was um. I found a new safety restriction in Android Auto over the weekend I, that I did not know about, which is I was trying to get to an old podcast episode in an old, mostly discontinued podcast, and I was scrolling down, and I did not realize that like Android Auto will limit how many times you can tap on the screen. I did not know that. I've never had to tap that many times. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> but been I was a thing like, since like the old like Android Auto was only on your phone I, days. Yeah, I didn't. I guess I've just never tapped this much, but I was trying to get to like near the bottom of a list and I literally gave up. I was like, this is stupid. Also, if I could just scroll, like it wouldn't let me drag my finger down the scroll thing to get to the bottom of the list where I was trying to get to. It had me like tapping, even though there was like a thing where you could see like if I just put my finger here and drag down, I could get to the bottom. It was way more unsafe under the guise of safety. It was so stupid. I was so annoyed. Anyway, uh, go ahead. I mean, you're not wrong. I think the original decision was likely safety related. And it's it's just it depends on whether this is an Android Auto limitation or whether it's a Google Maps safety decision because as you said that is not the case with Google Maps on CarPlay. And Apple likely went through the same decision making process. Do we limit the driver and ostensibly the assumption is the driver is the one using the phone and we want to limit their ability to tap on the screen. But it's not like your Android phone itself gets shut down while you're driving. You can open basically every other app. It's just maps. And it's not like it doesn't work 
with no explanation. It's like you can't use maps while Android Auto is running. So I feel like it has to have been a legacy safety decision that is then now held over, even if you have it plugged in to a dash. And I'm so frustrated by this. I hate yeah. this decision because every time, because I have I, I have wireless CarPlay and I mean, Android Auto, and this actually exacerbates the problem because my phone connects automatically. Oh, so, so you're like, I'm not you even using it. You have to turn off like, the car in order to I have to turn off the car in order to set my destination to something that's not already pre-programmed and then yeah. start the car again. Or well, I have to go through the, the the convoluted Acura process of disconnecting my phone right. from yeah. Air, from Android Auto and then reconnect. Like it's just like it makes no sense. You could also just disable Bluetooth and that'll automatically kick you off of the Android Auto. That's that's stupid. Like it it, it does. You shouldn't have to jump through those hoops. Like, You're right. I could absolutely do that and then wait the 25 seconds. To exactly. Re- it's just like no, I don't want well, this. It, it, on the wired side, how many people? have gone through either the map stuff or the what i was just describing with trying to find a podcast and been like oh fuck that oh wait i can't say i can't say fuck on this can yes you can can i i don't know i don't know if we're marked explicit or not whatever uh we're not we are (laughs) editors know apparently we are jules edit this out oh screw this Uh, you know i'm going to disconnect my phone and and like open maps on just on the phone while i'm driving because it's faster or has been like, oh, like I'm just going to open whatever media app I'm trying, like, because like trying to find a specific playlist on Spotify is just as much of a headache. I've had this thought before where it's like I'm wasting 90 seconds staring at my dash screen trying to find something because like voice commands isn't finding it and like I'm t- tapping through menus and it's not working versus like I know I could do this in like four seconds on my phone. This is not any safer, <laughs> it's pretending to be safe. And I'm not advocating for this. I'm not saying do it. I don't do it. I get annoyed and then I switch back to listening to an easier to access podcast, which is what I ended up doing or playlist or whatever. But you're annoyed the whole time. And I am sure there are people out there who have been like, no, I'm just going to do it on my phone. This is stupid. This is making me feel pretty good about my setup, which is just keeping a Galaxy Fold 3 in my dashboard with offline maps and playlists. <laughs> oh, and then Lord. it just goes in the holder with spot with well now YouTube music and Google Maps and split screen. And I just tether it to my phone. <laughs> that is what we call a first world solution. Yeah. There, yeah. Zach. Well, the Fold 3 has a broken cover screen, so it, that's, of course it, it that's does. its job. That's its job now. <laughs> it, it's just it's just a sat nav now. I, I mean, look, I know there's so much confusion around the different versions of Android Auto, right? There's Android Auto and like the, automotive. Google, Android Automotive, Gas, Google, yep. what's it called? Google Automotive, automotive Services. Um, and then Google Assistant Driving Mode. Well, that's but, dead. All but dead. dead. It's just Oh, yeah, that's now. right. Mm. Yeah. But the reality is like a modern car connected to Android Auto should be able to pass along the information that it's not moving. Oh, like on your side, absolutely. On my side. Like if, well, if it, I, it can. It can because it stops you, it, the keyboard. Right. So, for example, if I'm driving, I should not be able to use maps on my phone. Sure. If but I'm once parked the, yes. and not moving, yes. then I should be able to. Yes. And in 2023, I feel like most cars should be able to convey that information to Android Auto, and Android Auto should be able to acknowledge it, it, it and allow be. us to do that. Because if you open maps and you tap search, a keyboard will pop up if you are stationary. But if you are moving, you will not be able to access the keyboard. It'll tell you that. On on the dash? Yeah. Yeah. 
Because the five oh, tap limit also goes away if you are parked. Yeah. So oh, it, it knows. It absolutely knows if you're moving or not. It doesn't care. Maps is like, no, sorry. Because <laughs> like, look, the screenshot in my article that says your phone can, can't display Google Maps while Android Auto is running. I took that in my garage. Like, like it wasn't even on the road. Like I wasn't, I, the, the truck hadn't even been pulled out of the garage. Like that's how stupid it is. I can see the frustration. Like it's not like a phone has GPS in it to know whether it's moving or anything. Yeah. So as well, just anyway, Google make it happen, please. All right. Couple quick YouTube things. So YouTube music is going all in on podcasts. This is weird, right? This is years after Spotify did the same thing. We're not sure if this also means that Google is going to actually be paying creators to bring podcasts to Google Music or just leveraging the existing enormous back catalog of people uploading their existing podcasts to YouTube. But either way, they are going to be adding in a podcast-specific area into the Google Music app. I think that's fine. I also think that this is a pretty late to the game, right? Um, I was just really hoping they wouldn't do this. Because Google Play Music had music and it had podcasts and it had YouTube integration. And then we got rid of Google Play Music and we had Google Podcasts and YouTube Music. And now we still have Google Podcasts and we're going to shove podcasts into YouTube Music again. Like, I also want to know what this is going to do to what things do and do not show up through YouTube on YouTube Music. Because right now, currently, something has to be specifically stated as this is a music video in order for this mm-hmm. to display on YouTube music. If they add in podcasts, podcasts are not always labeled as such. So it's going to be like, oh, there are some video co- podcasts I can find from YouTube on here, and there are some that I can only find in the main YouTube app. Can I say this? I just had this thought while you were saying that, which is if YouTube music wants to be successful as a podcast platform, uh, which I don't think they will be, and I don't think they'll do this, but here's what they should do. They should make it that video creators can mark their video essays as this can be listened to as a podcast. And you can listen to video essays as a podcast through YouTube Music, and it would be an exclusive. There we go. That's my uh, now. Can you listen to them with the screen off on YouTube Premium? Sure, but this is YouTube Music is different. But also, then you should be able to monetize differently, right? Yes. The the issue is the ads. Sure, you could keep ads in the in the um. Yeah, but they're video ads, right? So like the CPMs are going to be different. They're going to need to dynamically insert or replace those ads with like audio friendly ads. Absolutely. Listen, I'm not. I'm just the idea guy. Like, I'm, I'm not developing this. <laughs> that is a good idea. I, I will give you credit for that. And I think what's obvious and what we talked a little bit about last week is that YouTube is very much still like the only distributor for creators that actually earns them enough money without needing a subscription. I mean, this is not always the case, but like there are a lot of people that earn a decent living or side living just through the ad business. Uh, obviously, you can supplement that with sponsorships or subscriptions. Other places like, you know, there there are a lot of people that use YouTube as a way to put unlisted videos or podcasts on YouTube for their Patreon subscribers, right? And this is Google trying to intercept those in some form. But I think it's not going to do a very good job because the premium creator tools are not there. A lot of people think of YouTube as a free service. They're not used to paying creators a subscription in order to access paywalled content. That's something that they really do associate with Patreon. 
Well, and on the other side of that, like there's no, this is going to be like Spotify where you can't add those Patreon URLs to this anyway. So if you are one of those people, as I am, who pays a certain amount of money to a bunch of creators each month to get exclusive content, like you're still not going to use YouTube Music's podcast section because you can't add those feeds. Right, exactly. It's basically just an RSS feed. So if it's behind a paywall, it'll just fail. It won't resolve. Yeah, I mean, these are still standards issues there's still yep. distribution issues that google needs to work out but i think r is right i don't want a cluttered youtube music experience even more than it already is and i hate spotify i was gonna say we've specifically seen because like. yeah because of the podcast. of podcasts like i was just complaining about android auto right trying to peck through spotify half of that is because it wants me to play podcasts and, they, and i'm like no i want to listen to music and it's like well you got to scroll by these podcasts first right like like you listen to 10 seconds of one podcast three years ago. We're going to yes, put it yes. literally second in your feed every time yep. you open the Spotify app. Absolutely. No, thank I you. I think I've realized why I'm the only person who doesn't care much. And it's just because I have a 3,000 song playlist and that's the only thing I play in the car. Yeah, I listen to podcasts almost exclusively in the car. Same. Which I'm listening I, I, to podcasts, but I'm a music girl in the car. I need yeah, something I, I can tune out when, I, when traffic gets bad. <laughs> Is this where I admit I pay for serious XM? You guys oh no, <laughs> I have been tempted to do that many times because of the, you get a new car and then they give you like two years of cheap, yeah. serious access. I pay, it's every six months I call to, it, big air quotes here, cancel, and then they offer me like six more months for, it's like 40 bucks for the six months. And frankly, like most of my drives are, I, I'm either driving like over an hour which is like that's podcast territory right or i'm driving like five minutes to the grocery store and at that point i just like listening to the indie station on sirius xm it's worth it to me i found a bunch of music through it so like it, it's worth it you know yeah nothing wrong with that yeah. sirius actually has a really good lineup they do they have good stations like i know it. it's like the i just can't bring myself know. to pay for it because i pay for spotify already and youtube yeah. premium like there's so many subscription services I already pay for that provide some sort of music. Oh, I also I, I have don't. Spotify, YouTube music, and, and Apple music. So, like, I'm just sick in the head. Okay, I have deals on all of them, though. I have deals. Spotify, I still get Hulu for free through Spotify. I still I have YouTube premium grandfathered at $8 a month, and Apple music is free through my Verizon plan. So. There I thought go. I was like crazy for not having heard of it, but apparently Sirius isn't available outside North America. So. It is not. Yeah, I, was gonna yeah. say, I, I wondered why I'd never heard of it. Sirius and XM were were competitors, and then they merged because they were competing with streaming, basically. Yeah. Now they own uh, Pandora. We they don't do. get Pandora either. Yeah. And Pandora bought Ardio, which is objectively oh, the best we, we've done it. We've done. We've done the. We can't do it again. We'll spend ten minutes it's talking not about fair. Ardio. I, I just. I just spent like. I just had a conversation the other day about how great RDO was and like was the person so had never heard of it. And I was like trying to explain why. And I was just like albums. And they were like, oh, okay. I this is why you and I talk about this. Cause you and I are the, <laughs> you're, you're like the only person I know who's like RDO. Yeah. Cause like people my age, like that was a thing I was subscribed to in like high school and like no one was even really on Spotify yet at that point. Like it was, it was, it like, was all Pandora. Yes. It was still like, yeah, it was like free internet radio. And then like Spotify was like slowly, like as I was graduating was like slowly getting, but like, no, I used, I used, God, I think I used audio till it died. Or maybe, maybe at that point I had switched to, I was slowly switching to play music. Cause I had that $8 a month deal, mm. but it was, yeah. it was no, I liked to play music. It was no, it was no audio. 
All right. Anyway, we can't. We can't do I it. Know. Sorry. It's too much heartbreak. All right. Quickly, another YouTube thing. YouTube is always testing new features. This time, there is a new 1080p premium test happening. We thought that Google was initially degrading 1080p streams in order to promote higher bitrate as the standard, or like you'll have to pay to get to what you were getting for free. That's not the case. Google says that it is allowing 1080p premium users to get streams up to 40 megabits. So separate from 4K, which is a higher bitrate than 1080p anyway, but it's not always aligned, you are now able to stream, if you pay for it, up to 40 megabits at 1080p. So I don't know. This is interesting. I don't know if how many people want it, but it's there. I definitely want higher bitrate. Just I watch a lot of like I don't know why, but I'm a film I'm a movie trailer addict. Like sometimes if I'm bored, I'll just watch trailers for films that I love because the music was always really good in the trailer. And CG or some old films just looks really bad on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah, happy I, for when I go back to the Force Awakens trailer that was better than the movie. Is this paywall <laughs> behind YouTube Premium, or is it something separate? Yeah, right that was going to be my question, because this ain't going to do jack shit for trailers if it's something that's only for YouTube Music. To which I would also argue, if it's only for YouTube Music, then it's kind of worthless anyway, because no, you're no, dealing with whatever music, the audio... YouTube. No, no, no. The, this is being tested with a small group of YouTube Premium subscribers. I don't even think it's available in Experiments right now, which is also a premium feature. This has not even reached, like, we're seriously thinking about rolling this out to everyone yet, which is usually, that's when it hits experiments. That basically means they're going to do it. So as the 4K Blu-ray player owner <laughs> on this podcast who cares about bitrate and thinks that 4K streaming looks worse than a 1080p Blu-ray, I still kind of don't care about this. I don't know. YouTube is YouTube. I'm watching it on, like, a phone or a tablet and, like, I, sometimes a TV, but... Uh, I don't know. Like the movie trailer thing is good. I, I agree with that. But for the most part, it looks like what it looks like, I guess. I am a premium member. I wouldn't sign up for a premium for this, though. I think this is adding value to existing premium subscribers. Yeah, definitely. More than I just anything. went to the experiments page to see, and I didn't see that, but I am very excited to see they just added a new experiment for me. I don't know if it's ever been mentioned before, but you can now create and edit a queue on the mobile app for videos. This is something I have wanted oh. in YouTube for a long yeah. time. I've never, I haven't thought about that, but yeah. Create a queue on your phone or tablet. It is available oh, without having to create a playlist. Yeah, without having to create a playlist. I've always had to just create a playlist. Yeah, I guess I've never yeah. thought about that. Oh, yeah. That's, nice. That's actually yeah. not a bad idea. Yeah. This makes me incredibly happy. <laughs> All right. Give me 1,500 words on it by Monday. <laughs> I'm just joking. Don't do that. You say that, but I don't sleep. I'll do it. <laughs> All right, let's talk quickly and finally about this Spotify DJ feature that launched this week. So AI is the buzzword. Everybody's getting in on it. Spotify's version of this is basically building you a personal DJ that takes somebody's machine-learned voice and turning it into a dynamic artificial intelligence-powered DJ. It's weird. I think that if you haven't listened to the trailer yet, you should to get an idea of what this does. But it's sort of like it peppers little bits of conversation like a radio between songs that it generates based on what you want to listen to. I'm not sold on this. I haven't tried it, but it looks and sounds weird. I don't want a fake voice in my head, but I'm, I'm curious to hear what you say. 
Any of I you. feel like my nan, who likes talking to Google Home and saying please and thank you to it, might enjoy this. I can't think of anyone else. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that there is a part of me that misses that morning radio experience. And this also is that without the ads. Oh. But there's sort of a an element of the artifice here that I'm not sure yeah. I'll be able to get over. I mean, this just brings us back to my Sirius XM membership, which is like, I like some of the DJs that they have that right. like, and, and like, you can tell they have like specific taste and stuff when they're on, which like, I guess I've never thought of wanting that in streaming. So, uh, but I don't know. I, I'm not seeing the card in my music feed, uh, which is Me where neither. you can find it. So I cannot try it yet, but yeah, I mean, I'll give it a shot once it's live for me, but I don't know if I'll use it super often spotify keeps trying new things for me and i'm like no no thanks i just kind of want to listen to the music i want to listen to and that's about it i wonder how long it's going to take before it just starts repeating itself as well right like commentators and yeah. like an nba 2k game like eventually you get back to the same things and yeah Jules, this is where you are... back to the old thrillville games for some reason <laughs> where they had this dj in the theme park that would just say the same thing over and over but audio's uncanny valley hasn't really been explored yet right you know, deep fakes are certainly growing in like mainstream understanding. And I think people understand when it comes to things like procedurally generated writing, they kind of understand that like a machine learning model sucks up a whole bunch of information from the internet and then spits out answers based on this like sublimation of everything that it's processed. Audio is a little different because it's so much more personal. And there was a bit of controversy late last year when Apple announced that it would start using AI-generated voices for some of its audiobooks. And initially, people were like, oh, no, I can't deal with this. And then you heard it, and it's like, oh, this actually sounds really natural. But nobody's pretending that a narrator is reading Jane Austen to you personally. It's like, hey, Daniel, let's read Jane Austen together. Daniel, what do you think about that oh, chapter? Oh, God. Is this going to be this movie, Megan? Well, that's that's the trailer. If you look at it, it's I, like, hey, I haven't Max, watched the let's, trailer. Let's like listen to some uh, some some Fleet Foxes this morning because I, I, like, I hear no, you're I you know you're that. on your way to school or whatever it might be. And no, they have to like bring up some topical news story from that that they read on <laughs> Yahoo News <laughs> right. like two, oh, from two God. days ago, and they got to be like, do you, do you guys hear about this? So in West Virginia this week, and they're like, you, you, like that's. That's what it should be. It should recreate like mid two thousands radio. No, no, no. I'm just picturing the scenario of getting home and you've got like you're bringing home a date for the first time, and it goes, "Hey, do you want to listen to your Let's Eat Ramen because I'm alone playlist?" And <laughs> no, like, no, 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 no. I want to. I want to fully explore Taylor Swift from like two thousand and eight. The uh, Spotify DJ, if you listen to it between like 6 and 9 a.m., should have like two or three hosts who get a little too raunchy. And then three <laughs> years after you start listening to it, one of them uh, leaves, uh, in quotes, the show, uh, gets fired because they had problematic tweets. Uh-huh. Just, get, just go really into just, it. Just like reproduce all of the most like notorious Absolutely. stories from the last 30 years of DJ. Exactly. I There's love so it. many episodes of Frasier they could turn, they could mine for material there too. I mean, oh you know that it's going to be like, hey, Daniel, I heard it's snowing out there. Let's put on some, and then like Christmas music, like it's all, it's, it's just, it's going to be terrible. But I, I do oh, wonder, Bear. you know, unlike that example I gave about AI narration for audiobooks, the fact that, that this is attempting to be personal and trying to mimic 
the sound of a real person's voice, that uncanny valley, I, I don't think we're going to get past it. I just can't imagine feeling calm and comfortable listening to a fake DJ. Yeah. Didn't Samsung announce something slightly similar to this as well, how it will let you make a synthetic version of your own voice that will talk to oh, people for on Bixby. the phone if you don't yeah. want to talk to them? Yeah. Judging by Bixby's voice, this is that's that's going to be terrible. Well, I'm surprised that I mean th- th- we didn't talk about this because I, I don't I didn't think it warranted it, but like we can get into it. There were some improvements to Bixby with One UI 5.1, but this week Samsung announced that it is changing the definition of Bixby from an intelligent assistant to an intelligent platform, so that it's not necessarily going to help you get things done on your phone, but that it's it's a resource for all of these other services to like consolidate under one you know butler dog platform i don't know it sounds a bit strange to me they had to do this just like a month after i wrote an article saying how it's probably going to be killed this year didn't they i mean it has been that's the thing as an assistant it is dead because nobody uses it it's got a broader mandate which is a lot more general which allows it to still say we we have bixby but then never talk about it it at any of its shows because it's basically an API rather than a feature. What's really odd is it lets me turn on Bixby text call, but I can only do it in either Korean or English US, and then it doesn't show up when people call me, even though it lets me switch on. So I think it's like heavily region locked right now. It is, because it says says exactly that in the the notes. It says Korean or English. Odd that it says English US, but then it still lets me switch it on. Whereas Mm. like with uh, Google Assistant back, when the call screening was US only, it would do the same thing, but it wouldn't even let me switch it on because it knew I couldn't use it. Oh, so you mean it's another half-baked Samsung feature? That's yeah, because right I can <laughs> I can physically switch it on and then it just won't happen. I, Wait, I just say, yeah, I mean, no, nothing they do is half-baked. What are you talking about? I um, am very interested in trying the Spotify DJ feature, if only just to like turn it off in disgust. Immediately. Immediately, yeah. but I, I'm, I'm curious if I can deal with it. All right, that is it. We are not going to go any more in depth on anything this week because uh, we've reached our limit, our artificially. I literally have a flight to catch. We we have a flight to catch. Yes, the the papal we. Are you attending MWC next week, Will? Yeah, and I should say that I'm bringing recording equipment, so next week's podcast will be. Um, we'll have Manuel back after a couple a couple weeks, uh, and then also um, James Peckham, the EIC, who I do not believe has been on this podcast actually so. i'm i think what we should do is take a week off and let you guys do a round table no, that's that's i'm bringing microphones jules sent me a, a recorder like we're we're gonna do it it'll it'll be you know probably whatever tuesday night or monday at some point at night in the airbnb i highly recommend uh, having as many astrea tall cans as possible <laughs> um to make that experience even better i feel like because this, uh, this will be the first in-person podcast record of this era of the podcast and i do think the energy is going to be good so it's so going to be fantastic i'm yeah. very excited to listen to it yeah all right zach thank you so much for joining us if people want to find out more about you where can they do that uh, you can find me on ap obviously and then you can find me on all the social networks at shut up zach 96 the username right. saves you some time uh we're not going to do the twitter thing anymore but uh, you can find Bad us site. Uh, it's terrible i'm out uh you can find us on android police i am very grateful zach for coming on a second time yeah. i'm sorry forgot that uh That's the right. first time last year ara will thank you as always yeah 
Will, have a great flight. Enjoy MWC. It's a fantastic and incredible event. I'm very jealous I'm not attending this year. I'll hopefully be with you next year. Yeah, here we go. Next year in Barcelona. That's what we'll say. All right, until then, thank you for listening. Thanks for having me. (laughs) You're very welcome. Uh, Have a great week, relaxing weekend, and we will talk to you very soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you.